Oh, good morning. Happy Father's Day. I, um, I myself heard that fathers can do whatever they want on Father's Day, so I'm wearing t-shirts and sandals. So here we go. Um, well, like Christy said, though, um, we would love everybody to make their way back and through the big tent and come and enjoy Father's Day. We wanted man camp, or if you haven't been a part of it, to experience what we do there just a little bit. We do more than throw axes and shoot BB guns and eat meat. We get a chance to group up as guys together, share life stories, and, and really kind of experience, uh, I think, for ourselves, being away. It's so good just to get out and be away and have time with uh, other believers and then just time to yourself just to get away. Plus, also, like Ron Smith, I don't know if you're here, you can almost then flip your Jeep over down some rocks. So it's an exciting, exhilarating time. Uh, but I want to take just a second, uh, and then we'll get into uh, our continuation of Hebrews. Uh, I want to take a moment just to say, you know, to all of our dads, uh, I, I just want to say Happy Father's Day to those we're thinking of, and may that just warm your heart of the role and, and the place that they've been in your life. Um, some of us even just have like father figures in our life that have mentored us and guided us through a lot of things. Listen. When you become a dad, we don't know what we're doing. Amen? Amen? We have no idea. I remember looking at my child like, uh-oh. <laughs> like, it's wonderful, but I, how am I going to do this? But you know what? As a parent, you learn how to survive on no sleep. Do you not? You learn the, the, uh, the, uh, another level of self-sacrifice for your kids. And they become this part of your life to, to see a continuing of the things you've learned from your father figure or parent or your dad to pass on to your kids. You know, dads, when we're, nur we're not so naturally born as nurturers, right? We will just make it work. You know what I'm saying? Like when mom's gone... Dinner is not an option for cooking, so we order pizza, right? That's how it is. We think of ways to just get us through, but they're good ways. I found a few that I thought you men would appreciate, especially some of you new dads, appreciate what some of these dads and how innovative that they are. So the first one is, I think, a father's creativity in parenting. Can you throw this first photo up? I love this photo. He wants to be able to eat and, and keep his baby asleep without having to wash his baby's hair later. I think it's fantastic. Someone needs to get on this little uh, canopy for a baby so you can eat thing. This dad, I, I think, uh, also was very, very innovative. Um, he... <laughs> I thought this guy's the winner. He gets the trophy. That's exactly what a dad would do. Like, not teach them how to get along with each other, but imprison them. So that way, he doesn't have to turn around and say one more time. You know what I mean? Uh, I did have a little collage here of dads who were in the process of developing their ability to nurture dad style and didn't quite do so well. Um, they're... <laughs> They're all worth looking at, all of them. My favorite is the one of he's using his daughter as a lower lumbar support. I just think that is just all time my favorite. But there's something there. They keep mining it out. You know, they're going to find it. 
I, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I think as a dad, you know, I'll just say this, like, we, you do, just like mom, a lot of things that go unnoticed. Um, so, you know, for all of you, I know you feel love um, for the time you've had with your family, the time you're investing with your family. It is all worth it. We have to tell ourselves that all the time. I talk to some of you who have kids, and I look at your kids, and, and I'm like, uh, wow, like, look at the fruit of what you're seeing of all that time invested in their life. And I sat down with two dads this week and just talked about the journey with their kids and, and, um, and their heart was just so full. Like uh, one dad in particular, we were talking about a lot of business stuff. And then when we started talking about his kids, it, it, the entire conversation changed, the tone changed. And I could see the love and just the heart he has had in his kids and just that they are what make his life, you know, just so full. And so I appreciated that. So let's pray and then we'll get into the message. God, we thank you for the fathers in our life. We thank you, God, for you being our father that we can come to at any moment and, and, and without notice. We do not have to make ourselves pure before you, before we can approach you. You say, draw near, especially when you're in need. And so, God, I thank you that we have that closeness and that same fathering heart, God, we ask for each one of our dads here, that they can love their kids the way you love us, and they will experience the heart of that same love. We ask that you be with us throughout the rest of this study as we're getting into one of the most important things of our spiritual walk. And God, I ask that today and afterwards that the, the, the fellowship that happens, God is deeply connecting for not just fathers to their children or families, but to, with each other as a church family. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, yeah, dads, I'm not doing a whole message about how great fathers are like I did Mother's Day. Sorry, we don't get it. Uh, we're going to jump right into Hebrews because I, I do think that this is such a great topic to talk about. Many of us come in here, and I think we can come in sometimes just dragging our feet, just wondering, like, man, do I have enough faith to get through this situation I'm in, this circumstance I'm in? I need more faith. I need more faith to get through and, and to press in. And, and sometimes Sunday is just that moment where you can walk out and be like, I, f I feel a little stronger in my faith today. I hope that for you today. Our current series is this. If you haven't been here, we're in the book of Hebrews. We're getting close to the finish line of the book of Hebrews. We're going to slow down just a minute because these last several, a couple chapters are so impactful and very relevant for us today. The book of Hebrews is definitely this. It, it, its main theme is this. When you get done reading it, you should have this sense of why choosing Jesus is the very best thing that you can do in your life and why living for him is the very best thing you can do. And you're going to have this. He's been every week, just every time, just reminding us of how great God is in, through his salvation in Christ but it's going to take a turn, which is going to take a little bit of a turn today. But remember this, Hebrews is a sermon. It's not one of the typical epistles where there's a lot of instruction and there's a lot of like dealing with issues that are necessarily happening all over within the church and topics and 
This is a sermon with a goal in mind to a struggling church who needs to have their faith inspired, who needs their fan flamed, or their, or their flame fanned, there we go, in order to continue to push on through what they're going through. If you've missed it to this point, I'm going to summarize this sermon really quick for you, and point by point, and, and it's almost week by week of what we've gone. Jesus is what you're looking for, and here's why. That's the first week. He introduces this. What you've been looking for, what you found is everything. It's why you needed him because you, you found that there was nothing else greater. Don't give it up. Why question it now? He goes on to, to list Jesus' credentials, why we should believe in Jesus. Put your trust in his credentials and who he is. And we have, when, when we do this, we'll experience God's shalom, his peace on earth. You will be, and, and, I, and I always hesitate using this term because it's a little bit like uh, hippie-ish, but like you'll be in the rhythm of heaven. You'll be in his flow. And you'll have total security. Our, and the next part is our confidence in him is freedom. The more confident we are, the more free we are. We know that with almost anything. The more confident you are in something, the more free you are to be. And that's what it is when we are confident in our salvation. And with that confidence, we can draw near. So many times we want to run from God when we're insecure or when we're in fear or when we're in doubt. And he's saying, no, 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 no. Run to me. Draw near to me. Because of what Jesus did, you can draw near Moses went to God, and he drew near to God when he needed it. He didn't run from him. He ran to him. And then last week we talked about don't settle for these carbon copies or these copies of what the real thing is. I think we can get distracted, and just like these people are like, let's just go back to the ways that they were. This is too hard. And he's saying, don't go back there. They're just a shadow of what really is. You're standing in the light of God. Don't, don't, don't give up the real thing for a, a cheap copy. And I was using this example last week of like, it, you would just think I was insane if I told you that, listen, if, <laughs> if you're thinking about going to Europe and, and going to see Paris and going to the Eiffel Tower, no need because we have Paris, Las Vegas, and you should go there. And if you were to go there, you could see they're so similar. And you would laugh in my face. And you would say, it's not the same at all. And, and I think it's kind of that thing of like, God is saying, why go to things that are just copies of? Go to the real thing you can go to me. And so I titled this message, and this is really the topic of the next probably couple weeks at least, is living by faith. And, and you got to understand, this is the transition in the sermon. He has now spent 10 chapters reminding them to put their confidence in their salvation, that it's secure, that there's nothing greater than that. And then he takes a turn, and he starts to then focus the last couple chapters on living by that faith what it means to be someone who lives by faith. And I would say it this way, it's a trust that gives, that gives confidence 
in our movements of faith. It's a total trust of that I can't see it, but I believe it, and so I'm going to trust, and I'm going to go in movement. It's one thing to have faith in Christ, and I've talked to believers before who have total confidence in their salvation, but no movement. And it's contrary to what the writer is telling them. They're in serious persecution. And maybe from this time of Nero, who's famously persecuting Christians horrifically. And he is saying, don't just wait for Nero to die. Be in movement and trust in faith, even though it's scary. Yes, you believe. Now live in this faith. Have some movement. I'm going to call you to things that are scary. You're going to want to move and move from that faith of yours. And I wrote this down. With our faith in, right, he's saying it's intact in Jesus, right? He did it for us. We can also live confidently this way. And we can live according to what God's will is confidently when we rest in this faith, right? He gives this uh, transition verse, so he, to close it out and let us know where he's going with this whole sermon, it's in Hebrews 10.39. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, right? But of those who have faith and preserve, and, and preserve their souls. We're not those who shrink back. People of faith do not shrink back but press forward. People of faith don't, don't, don't hesitate and just wait, they go forward. Because it's absolutely seen with your spiritual eyes, but they are those who have faith. We trust, we draw near, especially when it's difficult, because we have faith. Now, I'm going to read to you probably one of the most famous verses in the Bible. It's in Hebrews 11, and, and, and we would say, oh, this is the definition of faith. But it's more than just a definition. He's making this statement that they have to frame their heads around in order to get the rest of what he's saying. And it's very simple, but you've heard it, and, and it's very powerful. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is so sure that it's what you are hoping for or what you're leaning into is there, but but. So much more that you have the conviction that it's there even though you don't see it. It's invisible to you now, but you know it's there. And he's making this link, which we need to too. If you have such faith in this God of who you do not see, but put your total trust and salvation in, then why would you continue to walk through your life by physical sight and not by that same faith that that God who you put your salvation in? In his hands. Why would you walk by that same faith? The convictions of things not quite seen. And I think that we, in a sense, spiritually need a little bit of a guide. A bit of an interpreter for when we are not being able to see the invisible in our heart, in our faith. You know, uh, and I think I've shared this with you guys. Like, I'm, I had lost my smell and from COVID, and it's been almost three years. And <clears throat> over that time, I just found myself uh, going. Did you guys know that I lost my smell? Yeah, 
Yeah, so just be cool about it, okay? Don't be cruel to me. I, <laughs> I really don't know uh, what things are. And so I, I remember at, for, at times I was very nervous because what if there's a, 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 like a fire and I don't know it, you know what I mean? But I still have my eyes, so that's good. But what if there's a dangerous chemical or what if there's something that is uh, really gross and I don't know it and I'm like... Is that, is that a, what does that smell? You know, people are like, oh my gosh, she's taking deep breaths. Like, it was, it was nerve-wracking for me. Sometimes I'm driving my car and I start freaking out because I smell something. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I think my car's on fire. Okay, <laughs> this, you know, this is what's happening to me. But I'm like, oh no, it's in and out, right? So I can't tell the difference. <laughs> I know. And that was a slam on in and out, by the way. Okay, so... I was at Home Depot <laughs> the other day uh, getting something, and the lady checking, uh, uh, checking out my stuff was like smelling, and she was like, oh, do you smell that? And, and I was like taking your breaths, but I didn't understand. She started, she wanted to say sewer, but I couldn't understand her, and so she, she was saying something else, and she was like, do you smell it? And I was like, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't even know I'm going through this. And she, I was like, what is the smell? Is it, and I'm seeing flowers over there. I'm like, is it the flowers? She goes, no, su- sewer. And I was like, oh, oh. She goes, you know, the, the sewer, the, the toilet. And I was like, oh. And she's telling me to take these deep breaths. I needed an interpreter. When we are walking by faith, you have an interpreter. When you can't quite make out what's in front of you, when you can't quite see, you have an interpreter, your guide, God's presence with you, the Holy Spirit, to, to, to speak to you and to encourage you to continue to trust in faith because God sees what you cannot see and we have to trust. So we have him with us all the time. And that's how we have this assurance, right, of things hoped for. There's three types of faith that we'll generally see talked about in the New Testament. It's important to know these in order to understand what the writer is trying to communicate. And the first sense of, uh, of faith is this, this faith in your salvation, right? A saving faith. And if you read Ephesians 2.8, you'll really see it clear. And this is what the writer's been inviting them to embrace more and more the last 10 chapters. And then there is this gift of faith, right? It's in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 9, speaking of this gift of faith. This gift of faith is different than the saving faith. It is a gift that God gives. Some people have it and some people don't. I don't know if I have it. I've never really sought it out um, to see if, if that's there. And I'm trying to divide between optimism and a gift of faith, but I think I've seen it in people before where they, they can see what you can't see in that moment. It doesn't make them more spiritual. It just makes them God's geared them a different way, and, and they are a great benefit in our life when we need it. They're the kind of people that, that can sometimes feel like it's unrealistic but because their faith is so strong, but we need them alongside with us. That's that gift of faith. They might say things like, I know that you're worried about this and that, or if you're worried about some test results, hoping they come back good, and you're <clears throat> stressed out, and you're telling them, and they're like, you know what? No matter what happens, at least you're going to be in heaven if things go bad. That's the kind. <laughs> and it's like, that's not comforting. That's not good. But they have this sense of being able to be alongside of you 
encourage you when you want to go every which way. That's the gift of faith. And then what this writer is talking about is living by faith. Not just knowing you're secure in your salvation, but now to live out of that. Not to just sit still and wait it out and hopefully Jesus comes back, but to live it out. To listen to where he's calling you and how he's calling you. And it's scary and it's, it's, there's fear involved, but it's to live by this faith. And he's going to spend an entire chapter of stories of great people who have lived out their faith that way. Jesus said it really well when he's dealing with temptation in the desert. And he's being tempted to turn stones into bread because he's hungry. And Jesus says this, and listen to, he's quoted in the Old Testament, but he's, listen to how it's phrased. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. You, yes, you can't, you have life things that you need to be sustained, but Jesus says, even above and beyond that, I can't be someone who just lives by the things around me alone. I have to live by the word of God. I have to live that he sees something further than me. Faith. Faith. So there's those three types of faith, and then there's a pattern in every one of these stories that you're going to see. I think the writer phrases these on purpose to, to drive home these two ways of how we live out our faith. In each one of these stories, one is you're going to see in every one of these stories, there's a scene. There's a scene when it comes to physically seeing, and then there is a spiritual scene, a scene what is not there but will maybe come to be. So there's that sense of scene. And in every story, then there's a sense of movement, that there is action in this faith, that the trusting God and it's going to be trusting him by their actions. And so I think he purposefully places these in here for a reason. And it's perfectly done because we can't just see. We must move in that faith in order for it to be faith. We can't just wait for God to do it. We move in that direction. He's calling us. And eventually we might realize what we've been hoping in Here's a great example, which we'll get into next week. Hebrews 11:8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. He was by faith, he obeyed and called to go out. Not just stay, not just God blessing him with a promise, but to go somewhere he didn't know. And listen to this. And when he went out, not knowing where he was going. This is the perfect example of seeing and moving. We will see spiritually and move in a direction that we may not know where we're going. But we have the spirit guiding us in what we're doing. Faith. That's faith. And I, and I probably could ask everybody here if you, you could probably give a story of this in your life. You've been there. You didn't know what was on the other side. You couldn't see, and you said, God, I just have to trust you, right? I, I, I see a lot of heads nodding because we've been there. The church journey has been this for me. Probably the most uh, 
out of control I've ever felt in my life. And I don't know about you control freaks, but we do not like being out of control. And the church journey has been one step after another of, of out of control. And in, in, in trying to, to put my faith in that God has something I don't quite see yet. And it started from the very beginning all the way to the process into, into this facility here and the blending of our churches. Every step of the way was, was uh, if I were to choose the steps, I wouldn't have chose the steps. How about that? Have you ever been there? If I was to choose it, I wouldn't have chosen what God was leading me to do and how he was doing it. Because every single time, God was glorified because I absolutely had no control. He just did it. I had to move. I had to do things. I had to work. We all did. But he guided the path. And I love this next verse. It's this, this uh, verse 2 in Hebrews 11. And what he's doing is he's setting up this, is that, listen, all the people that you've honored, all the people you brag about, all the people you say, I want to live like that person, he says they lived by that faith. They didn't just accept the faith, they moved in the faith. Uh, Hebrews 11.2, for, for by it the people of old, all the people he's going to list, received their commendations. They were considered righteous because of their faith. They trusted when they did not see. He lays out, before we get into the stories, a, fun, a foundational truth by living by faith. I, I didn't quite see it. Uh, I, <clears throat> sorry. I read through these passages over and over and over and over before I even write a sermon. And <clears throat> it was probably towards the end of my times of reading through it, I just was like, oh, it clicked. This is why he introduces this next verse in verse 3. It's, it's foundational to living by faith. Hebrews 11.3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God. So that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. From the very beginning, from the very foundations of the world, what was made was, came from what was not seen. And he's bringing us back to, listen, we believe in this God, this creator heaven of heaven and earth who made things that are seen out of the unseen. So therefore, we're going to be called into the unseen. This is a God who does this. And if you embrace that, you can embrace living by faith because you have this God, creator of the universe, who is calling you to something. So we should follow it and we should listen to it. Don't just stay where you're at and just have your faith. I think it's fundamental and I think it's foundational. And he goes on to this, and I think it's important. It's God who created everything, and all the names that followed understood this foundation, that very foundation of verse 3. They believed it. They lived it. They didn't have all this theological instruction. They believed that one thing, that the God of the universe is with me. I'm going to follow. If he sees the invisible and, the, and, and out of the invisible comes visible, then it's going to happen. So I'm going to trust him. I put my hands in the one. That's how they saw God. Listen to what Jeremiah 32, 17 says. Uh, sovereign Lord. You made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arms. Nothing 
is too hard for you. Coming from someone who's experiencing tremendous difficulty, nothing is too hard for you. You made the heavens and the earth. My problem is nothing. This journey is nothing to you. These difficulties, these roadblocks, these issues, these worries, these cares, they're nothing. Nothing is too hard for you. you got to be clear who God is in order to continue to step out in faith and trust him when you can't see. He reminds, he reminds them of, of, of these stories of these heroes in the past. I say hero, but I don't, I don't think that that's probably the right term. I think that it's people who walked by faith. And he gives 17 names, and some are unlisted as well, of, of, uh, in chronological order of, let's just walk through. In the, and as I was reading through, I was like, oh, each person stepped out in faith in a different way. Not only is he just, because I do this thing too when I preach a sermon, you, you probably will say, amen, stop doing this, but I'll tell you right now. I'll be like, so... It's like this, and I'll give like 15 examples, and you're like, we got it after two, dude. You need to stop. I do this. I'm notorious for this. And I was like, hey, dude, this guy's doing it, and he's a great preacher, so I can do it. But then I realized that it's not just the same thing over and over. Each one of these stories has a different angle of how someone stepped out in faith. We're only going to get to three of them. They're very brief, and, um, but we're going to continue to power through each one of them, see a different angle, a different twisting of the lens of how they stepped out in faith and lived in faith. The first one is Abel. He goes all the way back. Abel's faith, Cain and Abel, right? This obedience by faith. He was obedient in his heart. Cain and Abel's story is a heart issue. It's, it's, it's not just the jealous brother who kills his brother, it's how they came to God and their, what their heart condition was. Why Abel's offering was more acceptable than Cain's. And sin was already crouching, God said, at Cain's doorstep. And Cain's heart wasn't in a heart of faith. It was, I think you could almost draw this line that Abel's was in faith, Cain's was in works by the labor of his hands. And he comes and they offer, and then the writer of Hebrews uh, gives his commentary on it. And he says, uh, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. It says, through which he was commended as righteous. We know it was by faith because he was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gifts as though his faith, uh, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. Meaning this act of faith still echoes in the stories today and in his writing now, and now as I'm speaking it. It was an act of faith, it was his obedience, and it was how his heart was when he came to God. It was in faith. We, 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 don't, try to, uh, we don't try to please God um, with a heart of, uh, of no faith. It will never please him. You can't do enough if your heart is not in faith to please God. And he's going to say it in a minute, but, but we can say it now. 
We can try all of these great things and say, God, aren't I a great person? Look what I do. I'd sacrifice all of this for you. But if your heart is not in a place of faith, and the true motivation is just trusting God and doing it in faith, then it, 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 it doesn't mean anything to him. I know that's hard, but it, it seems to be the reality. The next person is this person, Enoch. He's an ancient person in the Bible. He, he is someone who is oddly referenced here and there throughout the Bible, but he literally has like one line in Genesis when he's talked about. But he brings up Enoch. Enoch was 65 years old when he began to follow God. And he lived another 300 years as he began to follow God. But I think what the writer is pointing out is that he lived consistently from the moment he put his faith in God. He walked and lived in faith. Enoch was taken from this world by God, which is very unusual. And he, well, God wanted to spare him death. And so he took him to him. Then it goes on to say, verse 11, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended again. When God commends someone, it's because of their faith as having pleased God. And this is highlights, I think this part, it highlights his consistency in his walk with God and trusting him in faith. And so I think this is why Enoch makes the list myself. Um, he was pleasing to God. And then to really put us in a course correction, he makes this profound statement that we know. And I, I, call, I call this a faith truth for living. We have to know it. Hebrews, the next verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. He's talking about God. And I think we have to hear those words and let them sink in. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And I think that's a good reminder for all of us. It's through our faith that we please God. It's through our faith, faith that, that that's what he loves. Because you're trusting in who he is and how much he loves and cares for us. And we just say, I can't see, but I'm going to go. I'm going to follow you, right? And I'll say this. Drawing near to God, right, is, is, is a byproduct of our faith in who he is. Because if you didn't have faith that God was sovereign, loving, caring, and what Christ did on the cross, that you can draw near to God um, and stand before God as presented righteous before him, pure, then, then you wouldn't draw near to God. Because God is also a God of judgment, and he judges sin. And if you're not believing that you're covered, I wouldn't, I wouldn't draw near. So he's saying, if you're drawing near to God, then you already believe this. So... Step out and be in faith. Live in faith. It pleases God. And then the very last one is Noah's faith against the current. I, I, the, he, Noah has, I, I don't know how 
much uh, how many chapters to Noah's story, but it's it's a famous story, and I thought, of course, he's going to use it because of how Noah uh, uh, exercised his faith. You know, in a corrupt world, and and the Bible tries to define it as like everyone's heart was sinful. Everyone's heart, all they thought about was things that were corruptible. And Moses, or sorry, Noah, in all of that, against culture, against, against shame and, 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 and mocking, he does something spectacular. And to everyone else, he was uh, 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 spectacularly a fool. But his faith, his spiritual sight, drove him on and didn't get distracted. So against uh, the current, he, he built this boat. Now, at, the, at this time, describing the Bible, it never rained. So he's building a boat for something that's in the middle of nowhere, and people are like, what are you doing? Some people think that he built the boat in 50 years. Some say 120, and some say maybe even 300 years it took him to build this boat. Uh, we don't really know, but we know that it had to have taken him a long time. It was quite large. And if you, if you look at his story, it's this continuing to do something that seems like it's contrary to all wisdom of everyone else or even the shame of everyone else or even the pressure from everyone else. He continued to build. He continued to build. Day after day, he continued to build. And, and I think to me, it's like one of those things where it, it, is, it is a testimony to staying to it, even though you'll face the, the, the pressures of, and going against the total current. That is what living by faith is. Not everyone else is going to see it. You know how, like, uh, you've been praying for something, and you've told one of your friends, like, Be, this is what I believe God is leading me to. And you know in their eyes, they're just like, oh, that's great. But inside, you can see it. They're just like, oh, wow, you've got to get a grip. You know what I mean? If you've ever been believing for something, hoping for something, and someone else is saying, you just need to accept this, walking and living by faith is what you will experience from people who don't see what you see. And he did, over and over and over, day after day, nail after nail, spike after spike, hurt finger, right? Cuts and bruises. He did it day after day because he saw. And listen to what it says, Hebrews eleven seven. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, reverent awe, of who God is, he constructed an ark for saving his household. By this, he, com he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith, meaning through the line of Abraham and beyond into Christ. It's this, it's this thing of being willing to continue to do, even though it doesn't make sense to everyone else, but you hear what God is calling you to do, and you have the Spirit to remind you. He was willing to dedicate his efforts for a great period of time, right, for something to come. That's walking and living in faith. He was willing to hear the scoffing, the jokes, the doubts, because he saw with his spiritual eyes. 
what uh, people couldn't see. I know you've been there. I have been there. And it's hard in those moments to continue to push through. I know many of your story, and I know a lot of times when we've talked, it was about pray for me. I need faith right now. What I'm seeing <laughs> is becoming bigger than my spiritual eyes see. Help me widen my spiritual eyes beyond what I'm seeing physically. I don't think it's a disassociation from reality. It's a pressing into the unseen things because we have a God of the universe that we serve and trust and that we trust in him more even than the things we see because from the invisible, visible things were made. So we trust him. I'll close with these thoughts and then we can go out and um, enjoy our barbecue hot wings. I'm excited about it. Is this, <clears throat> at this point, the writer has gotten us to the place that faith in Jesus is everything, yes. But part of the human experience, why you're here, your purpose, is to live in faith. Be someone who walks in faith. Someone who sees and moves in faith. And I don't know what that looks like for you. You may not plant a church. You may not hear God and move to some obscure place you don't know. You're just going. But it might be in a sense of taking another step towards uh, a place of faith God's been leading you to, but you have all these other concerns that say why you shouldn't or all these other obligations that hold you into a certain place, but you're, but, but you're struggling with being able to say, I'm going to step out in faith regardless. I don't know what that looks like. Maybe it's for your own health and healing in your body. Everything else says bad news, <clears throat> but I'm going to continue to step out in faith and just trust God with the outcome. I don't know what it is for each one of us, but part of being a believer is walking and living in faith, not just having faith for salvation. And this is when he begins to turn the direction because he's talking to a people that are going to need to go out, who are going to need to be public about their faith when they're hiding. People who need to go to other areas where it might be hostile, but you've got to go and you've got to move. You can't just have faith. You've got to live it out. They're living their life trusting God in something that's more sure than what they see. That's faith. Paul says it well, and then we'll pray. 2 Corinthians 5, 6. So, we are always of good courage. <laughs> He's kind of telling them how to think. We are always of good courage. There's a reason we should be of good courage. Why? We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage. And we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please him. Meaning, whether we are at home or away, it will be a life of faith. And we aim to please him. And how do we please God? With our faith. It will not be in your willpower. You cannot do this enough. <laughs> you cannot pray the right words. You can't put on a, a, a fake persona of like, everything is wonderful. We trust God, but internally, 
Like Cain, you're doubting. There's nothing there. The performance is there. The heart is not there. It's going to have to be a very natural thing. You cannot force it. It's just drawing near to God, leaning more into him, learning to trust him more, seeking him out, asking him for faith, which he says to do when you're in a struggle. It's not worth faking it. Let it be natural. Let it be something you continue to press in and be honest with yourself. Am I in faith or am I in just pretending here? Continue to seek out faith. Ask God to help you. Bring believers around you, like we said last week, that will encourage you when you're lacking in faith and you need someone to just to, to help you step out into faith. I love that. We walk by faith, not by sight. And so if there's anything I can encourage you or the writer is trying to encourage those people at that time is that faith is a journey and you will walk through this life with God's calling. And, and the hope is, is that you're taking steps of faith. And you don't know where that's going to lead you. I, I could have a line of people up here in a testimony said, who said, I never saw this, but when it happened, it was the opposite of what I want to happen. But that this happened, I finally experienced what God was leading me to when I was walking blindly by the Holy Spirit. And now it's what I, I would never want anything else because everything else I was hoping for actually wouldn't have happened. But it happened here in this moment. I experienced peace. I experienced love. I experienced a breakthrough. I got to rely completely on God. And he did what I couldn't do in my own power. That is walking by faith. You may not see it, but on the other side, you will experience it. God, we thank you and we love you. God, I thank you for so much for your promises. And God, you are calling us all to step out in faith. And God, I don't know what that is for each person here because as uniquely as we are made, as uniquely each person's step of faith is. Abel's was with his heart and a sacrifice. Enoch's was with his consistency. Noah was with uh, a seeing and staying to something that Took, took great courage and faced opposition and Abraham's was going where he didn't know where to go leaving everything he had and the list goes on and on God each one of us is being tested and challenged in a way of faith and I ask that this church be a church that pleases you because it moves in faith and God, we as a church want to submit our hearts, our wills to yours in faith because it pleases you. And so God, I ask that you be with each one of us today. And as we walk out today and not just celebrating Father's Day, but maybe this week, we're challenged by a moment where we've been hesitating to step out in faith. But then you asked us to draw near to you and you'll give us the strength to push through to step out in faith. On the other side, it will be what you want. And so, God, we thank you. We love you. That you are a loving God who, who, who loves his kids and is inviting them into the journey of faith. The most exciting, terrifying, beautiful journey 
that any believer could be on. But God, help us not be stagnant, but to be in motion, to be in movement. You have a calling on our life. God, help us have the courage to step out in it. Bring people that surround us that will help us in those moments, God. And help us see what we cannot see with our physical eyes, but feel in our spirit to push through things for you because we trust you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this last song to sing?